welcome back, Immortal X friends. I am Cody. Riley. And we are here uh, today to talk about two issues that we really liked last week. God's number four and the resurrection of Magneto number one. Um, along just with some other general chats, Riley, <laughs> as my coughing gives away, um, <laughs> I might have a bit of something tonight uh, versus versus you. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Constantly sick, man. Yeah, we we did get a little comments. We've had a few people, um, including Paul from Power of X-Men that have been going through our backlog, listening to some older issues. And he uh, he asked me on a chat the other day, he was like, is Riley ever not sick? Which definitely made me laugh because that many has been listening to a few, a few episodes. <laughs> and I think we're, we're usually kind of on like a twice a week recording. I feel like every two weeks is what I mean. And so I feel like either you or I are going through it. So goes the life of uh, educators, I guess. Yeah, dude, it's so constant. It is so constant. I can yeah. I can just bet that between November and like March, I'll be sick probably five times. <laughs> Something will come up. Yeah, yeah. it's a. Uh... Well, did you hear that? Could you hear my cat yelling? Mm -mm. No, she's she's proving that she's sick, too, I guess. Yeah. Um yeah uh, yeah well how are you feeling riley you feeling good uh i mean kind of yeah. i can't i can't completely say <laughs> yes because i have that like annoying cough that won't go away yeah no, i understand but i just uh i just bombed some cough syrup a few minutes ago so i won't be annoying for anyone uh, are you gonna are you, is it like nyquil like you're gonna fall asleep mid pod yeah yeah so <laughs> cool, you i know. can't wait I'm gonna Don't get on like I'm gonna get on like a real big like hot take, and then all of a sudden Riley's just gonna be asleep. I'm gonna be out, dude. Asleep on my keyboard. Now you know, like you know, what's really annoying about being sick so much. I can't take Nyquil and stuff because it makes my throat itch. I think I'm allergic to it. Yeah, that sounds like, so like an allergy. Yeah. So like when I'm when I'm super sick, like Dayquil, Nyquil, like I can't do it. I just have to kind of live through it. You know. <laughs> It like makes the you know the throat tickle that yes. won't go away. That's what it you get with Dayquil and Nyquil. It activates it, and I can't <laughs> soothe it. I'm know? really sorry, dude. It is that sucks. So um, okay. it is what it is. You you falling asleep while I'm giving a hot take is one of my like biggest fears in college with roommates like late night roommate share sessions i would always go second meaning mm -hmm. like i would listen to my roommates this would happen multiple times like go on and on and on you know share their 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 crushes their fears their doubts their failures mm -hmm. and i would listen and i would give advice and then by this point it's already like 2 a.m so then i would start sharing and then i would realize they were just totally passed out and then i would just never bring up those <laughs> things again i'm like well this is why I'm going to be alone. Um, mm -hmm. Fortunately, fortunately, Leslie doesn't do that when we're sharing sure. <laughs> secrets late at night. Yeah, she doesn't zonk. No, but um, uh, Riley, these issues came out last week. Um, yes. We were, we were pretty excited knowing that we got both of those that same day. Uh, yes. Resurrection of Magneto, written by Al Ewing, with interior art by... Vecchio, first name, Luciano, Luciano Vecchio. Um, this, of course, as we predicted a few weeks ago, was going to be the actual end of the X-Men Red Saga. 
um, and kind of tying up whatever uh, Ewing had started uh, with uh, a Rocco run with everything that we had done. And hopefully, as we were really hoping, would um, kind of redeem some of the lackluster finale nature that we had with X-Men Red. How did you feel this first issue delivered? Um, I felt like it was really successful. Um, first, you know, putting aside major plot points and all that stuff, the art was just beautiful to look at. Um, it was full of stuff that was just highly unexpected. Um, you know, I, if we would have talked about this a week and a half ago, I don't think I would have had any real predictions as to what this was going to be. Um, but you know, some of the, like the page turn reveals in this issue were very fun and very surprising. Um, certainly not things that I would have anticipated coming. So, um, I, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, again, like I think it seems like more and more people are becoming aware of the fact that like Al Ewing is just like a master at pulling stuff from a long time ago. Nobody would have like, no one was thinking about that he would touch and here it is kind of thing. Um, you know, for me, like I have not, I still have many Al Ewing blank spots, you know, including sword. Like at this point, I think I would include sword on that list. You know, I, uh, I read it. I read all of it and really enjoyed it, but I was taking down the entirety of yeah, the that first era. era. Um, and so, so much of it kind of blurred together and seeing as there's no like sword collected edition to, to own in like a really nice format. Like I haven't reread that since yeah. I took down that long box two years ago now or something. So, um, but you know, for instance, uh, you know, a uh, minor spoiler here, friends, um, you know, turning the page and seeing Adam from the ultimates run is mm-hmm. very, very fun. Then I like, Oh dude, like this is, this is one of the toys in Ewing sandbox. And I didn't, I didn't anticipate that he would be yeah. pulled from his other works in that way. So, you know, it's, it's just super fun. Just him showing what he does best. I think. It, I completely agree, and it really feels like a victory lap um, for his time in the X office. And really, not only that, but we talked about it a few weeks ago when we were kind of talking about the white hot room stuff that was being explored in Immortal X Men and how Ewing set that up in his Defenders and Defenders Beyond run, and how now Gillen was running with a lot of that information and going through, but. Now, just seeing what he's now getting to do with himself in a way that we've we've gotten to see Hickman do a few times. I just mm-hmm. even think of like when we started reading Ultimate Invasion, number one, we were stoked on like, oh, look, like here's the Illuminati and what is he bringing from all of the books that he's done ever since. But then we really got to see that in Gods. I feel like when we were excited about the Library of the Worlds and seeing um black swans and just just all of these things reference and kind of like the the greater hickman verse but now being at a place where i feel like you and i even with blank spots still have dabbled enough in in ewing's run to be able to to kind of see what he's pulling from um sure but what i do like about ewing is he's pulling from all of these things and I know we've talked about this before, and I think this is why he's 
succeeded for the most part at doing crossover work is like there's still such a focus on character and story mm -hmm. like like it's it's not just a show off of um rapid things it's it's really touching on the different characters and and yeah. the stories that are there yeah i think he's really successful in making it all fit really nicely um i love the fact that you know all of these things that he pulls from are easy to digest for anybody yeah. reading um and it's not just the people who have read and memorized all of his books that are able to take in what he's doing you know a little bit might be a little heady and difficult to to understand at first but um you know for the most part there is enough explanation as to who adam is in this yeah. issue that you're not completely lost <laughs> if you didn't take down his ultimates run for instance i think you're um, so right and i think that's why honestly like i i read a bit of I read some DC material this weekend, you know, from the, from the other, the other comic company that we don't talk about nearly as much, but, um, I, there was at one point when I was reading this, I will just to say what it was. I was reading, um, Tom King's, uh, danger street, his new, like basically 12 issue run that had come out. And there's a moment where I'm like, Riley needs to read this. Like as a, as a comic book, it is just so masterfully done. Um, and there's several threads that are going together, but I have like a, a, I think a much more kind of substantial like DC knowledge, DC publishing history where some of these things are pulled from, from you. And at one point I was like, dude, I Riley won't get that. Like you just won't, it won't even connect or land with you in some of those ways. Um, mm -hmm. Versus like all you need to know about Adam Bashir, Blue Marvel showing up is that like he's a scientist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're, if you're not reading all, you know, is like, oh, he's a scientist that's exploring like what lies beyond. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, and I think Ewing always does a really good job about that. Like, even if you don't know Abigail Brand's history, like, cool, she's a sword operative. That's a double agent. And yeah. I feel like there was even a few things in here that are kind of like deep cuts. Like I know of secondhand in X-Men lore, but like mm -hmm. Storm's magical ancestor. I've never read a story with her. Yeah. But I get it. Like I get it. And I, I understand. <laughs> and it fits yeah. in this whole idea of like what's going beyond. So let's, let's kind of set up, let's set up the story a little bit for resurrection of Magneto. Cause I feel like that will mm -hmm. kind of let us dive in a little more. So spoilers for resurrection of Magneto. Um, but Magneto died. Riley and I've talked about this on this podcast a lot with, with great valor um, fighting against uh Uranus uh in the Judgment Day run that we really like uh in X-Men Red. And Storm was there basically to carry on his dream of the Brotherhood and the Iraqi promise. Um, and now at the end of this time, while everything's going on in Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten, Storm is having nightmares of Magneto calling to her from the beyond. And so she says, I, even though he gave up his right to resurrection by destroying his, um, his genetic sequence and his, his memory wipes or whatever, I, I need to find a way to go see if I can claim him. And in the trial of Magneto, Riley's favorite Krakoa mini, um, when, uh, Scarlet Witch mm -hmm. was killed and then also resurrected, uh, she created essentially like a mutant waiting room. Right, like kind of like a a place where mutants who were not 
backed up or were backed up could be here and also resurrected in like a different magical intersection. And so Storm yeah. goes to find um, Adam and I forget the other character's name, but I'm pretty sure it's Galactus's mom. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, from another realm are, are <clears throat> researching, are researching things and they, they allow Storm to basically cross over into like this limbo and Storm begins her quest to go find Magneto to bring him to see if he even wants to come back to help Mutant yeah. Code. How did I do, Riley? Was that a pretty good setup? No, super well. Um, yeah, I think uh, and to kind of continue where you left off, something that I'm really interesting and in, in, interested in discovering with the next issue or maybe just down the road is that um, we don't know whether or not Magneto is going to want to come back, you know, like it was, um, you know, there's more to it than just a heroic sacrifice to save his people kind of situation that, um, you know, we have the waiting room and, you know, we are able to, to resurrect uh, our long lost, you know, brothers and sisters and all of that stuff. But a major point in, um, in Magneto's arc in Ewing's X-Men Red issues was that um, his firstborn daughter was not someone that had the mutant X gene. And so she is not eligible to be brought back. She is not waiting for him in the waiting room. She is not, you know, he will never, I think in his own words, like he will never see her smile again and that kind of thing. And he says uh, to Storm, I believe, uh, or is it... Uh, I forget exactly yeah. who it is, the Fisher King and Sunspot, maybe, um, you know, he's like our very heaven is a hell, you know? And so, yeah, there is part of the, uh, you know, part of Magneto, he gives up his, uh, his, uh, his backups in order to better fit and, um, and be in the Iraqi culture. But I think part of it is also the, like, I don't want this because, you know, so much of my experience with what resurrection is, is a really kind of a curse Yeah, um, that I will never see my beloved daughter again. And that's kind of a, that's a big thread to leave dangling as a storm goes to whatever lengths that she's about to go to, to find him and to, and to bring him back is, will he want to, you know, and, um, you know, what kind of journey has he been on since his death? You know, so I'm pretty excited, especially considering that Ewing has said that we're going to be alternating points of view, yes. which is going to be cool. Um, this first issue is from Storm's point of view with the second issue upcoming uh, being from Magneto's point of view. So this is going to be a really interesting back and forth dynamic, I think. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see where yeah. this thing goes. I'm, um, I'm super excited. I think what's super cool as soon as it dives in is there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of tarot card imagery yeah. um, that was present, which was obviously a very fun part of 10 of swords um, was just seeing how all of these characters were there. And there's been a whole, and once again, like this is the part of this, I feel like it's just going to be gushing kind of over threads that Ewing's pulling, but like there's been a whole thread this entire time of the idea of the hanged man right all the way back to like the beginning of um of of Krakoa and and Moira talking about the the tarot cards mm -hmm. but there's also been a lot about storm dancing with death and how mm -hmm. storm is one of the only characters in this entire run who has not died once 
And mm-hmm. now at the end of this era, she is she's plummeting herself into death to to save someone and save maybe her people while she is regents of Mars is is with a, a, a human man. They are raising their, you know, Iraqi adopted children. And it's just it's she. Ewing has essentially like he's. And this is this, you know, a little like inside baseball, like Ewing, Ewing puts out a newsletter that you and I usually read. And I think he said something really poignant where he's like, guys, like, uh, like, like Magneto is going to be resurrected at some point. Like, why would I not want to be the one to do it to kind of have my final say on it? And so far, some of what he's choosing to explore not only just with death, but it's at some point, um, storm, storm, spoiler, not spoiler anymore. One of the individuals that storm encounters in this waiting room when she now dives into it is, uh, is Tarn the uncaring and he Tarn the uncaring murdered, his ability, by Magneto. murdered, murdered by Magneto in order to claim his seat. Um, basically has this kind of interesting talk about what what is your core essence right like what is what are what are you essential when all things are stripped away your power is stripped away your title is stripped away um and there's been some interesting images of like multiple versions of magneto in his costumes multiple versions of storm across like her entire publication history and just seeing the ideas of these two characters that have really like not only just defined ewing's x-men red but really like define this whole krakoa era getting kind of one final like definitive push of like this is who these two are and can be before they're like i'm not trying to raise alarm bells but like but before they're potentially reset for whatever the new status quo is feels feels like a really cool legacy that I'm, i'm excited to see how it gets capstoned I'm excited too, um, especially because, you know, on its own, I feel like the resurrection of Magneto is going to be a really interesting um, epilogue to all of the things that Ewing has had cooking for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, but because of that, it you know, you have to hope that it's successful yeah. because it kind of is the epilogue to all of these things. Um, and for all we know at this point it's it's probably safe to say that once this mini is over that's the end of of all of this stuff all of this corner do you think uh, it's the end of Araco? i hope not um what a fun sandbox it is all these weird crazy powerful mutants um, with all these just insane abilities and designs and stuff it just it, it it screams possibility to me. Um, I don't know why Araco and all of its characters wouldn't be used in the future, but at the same time, you know, <clears throat> I I could see you know an editorial discussion being well, the people who aren't on board with this era will not be on board with us keeping that around right now. So let's pivot away. So I don't know. I, yeah. I really hope that it sticks around because some of the Araco stuff has been my favorite of this whole, you know, this last two years of comics. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, man, because this is going to be the finale to it all, I think. And, I think you so, know, for too. the most part, Ewing has been very successful between um, between Sword and X-Men Red. But I think it's safe to say that he hasn't been perfect, that there have been moments that we've been left a little unsatisfied um, by just some stuff not really being what we thought it was going to be or just kind of feeling a little bit rushed. Um so I don't know. I'm I'm very excited about yeah. the possibilities of what this is, but I also have a little bit of trepidation for sure. I think I do too. I think when I look back at all of of, of not all of Ewing's books, but both X titles with with Red and with Sword, those first issues of each are some of my favorite X Men comics. With the ensemble casts that are established, with what seems to be the the premise of each book. And then we've, we've talked about this before, so we don't need to belabor the point, but like whether it's getting bogged down with crossover stuff or event stuff, but like, you know, half the cast of sword, once that book gets going, like kind of disappears the X-Men mm-hmm. red cast, same thing. Like, like, you know, it starts off one way. And by the time the book ends, like, and part of that is the fact that half that cast ended up on other books, right? Yeah. Or like, or disappeared. But it's, 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 it's a bummer where I wonder what this version would have been where we also got a follow up with the Vulcan story, where we found out more about Abigail Brand, where we just like continued some of those things that like we are just kind of left in the wind. And I mm-hmm. don't, I don't, I could be so wrong. And I never thought we would see Tarn the Uncaring again in this way. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know if we're going to see brands or Vulcan or even, or even, even sunspot like in some of these ways over the next few issues. And I just, I wish there was a bit more of an ending for such promise for some of those individuals. I do too. Um, and I kind of, uh, did you catch the, uh, the short interview with Ewing that went live today? No, I didn't. Um, there's a there's a short interview like a, a question and answer out. type thing on uh, AIPT. Not sure exactly what the uh, the acronym is there, but adventures and poor taste. Okay, um, yeah, it was a short Q and A, uh, and you know, so some of those questions came up, which were really fun. One of them being, um, how long? Uh, this is this is kind of off. That's okay this is kind of often left field, but I'll kind of bring it back to what we're talking about now. I think is that um, somebody asked Ewing, so you set up Enigma back in Defenders Beyond in like the ending of Defenders Beyond. How did you know that that was going to happen? Like, did you, did you have some, like, was this you masterminding this whole thing or like what was going on that you seeded that so long ago or whatever that was, you know? Yeah. And um, and he said something like, you know, Enigma was actually like the backup for my backup idea, you know, but when these two ideas that I pitched were kind of played down by editorial, I also being in the X office knew that this was going to be something down the road and decided to kind of use it to play with. Um, and so you know, uh, being someone who really enjoys these stories, but knows nothing about like the insider, you know, what it's all like on the inside of this, this whole thing. Um, You know, I do really respect his ability to pivot and to kind of like work 
around and solve problems and all of that stuff, you know? Um, so, I mean, there are so many characters that I feel like we might not see again and, and not really get a, uh, you know, a wrap up yeah. with them. Um, you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot of room in the rest of the story for Sunspot, for example, you know, with all of these things that Sunspot got up to in X-Men Red, it might be sad for us to not catch him. Um, but at the same time, like, I really have to respect the um, the fact that he's able to kind of solve problems and work around things and totally uh, and try to make it work the best he can, especially when you know, he's playing with toys over here that are going to have to be involved in something else in a different book with a different writer. And, you know, just the the bouncing back of ideas and characters and all that stuff. Like, I just really got to respect the way that it all has to work behind the scenes. I agree. I think that's a great point. And I think um, let's uh, so let's pivot away. Very excited to see where this book goes. Um, mm-hmm. It's I feel like what's really hard right now for me is that the end is here, but all of these are still like monthlies. And so yeah. the end is not going to be here for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's and it just right when it's starting to move. So it's just, it's, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting state to be in, in for a little bit, but definitely instead of talking about an end that's connected <laughs> to a whole lot of things, um, let's, let's move away to gods. Let's, let's talk okay. a little bit about gods, uh, issue four. Um, a book that is very much on its own um, besides the other issues. And so this is the fourth issue of gods. Uh, we really haven't talked about gods on the pod since the first issue. And I don't think that's for lack of, of interest or excitement. I think it's just been truly like time management. And then when we have been able to pod, there's been like some bigger, bigger marquee items. Um, but for those who are just listening, spoilers for, for gods <laughs> one through four, um, but this this book picks up right where three left off, and essentially, our our lead characters of <clears throat> Win, Dimitri, Doctor Strange, Iko, um, her the 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 she refers to herself as a minion, a minion. Uh, of, but I don't know if yeah. that's technically the the term. But uh, yeah, what is it? Is it a, a uh, character Mi- yeah. uh, Mia? <clears throat> Mia and then uh, the second centivar of the natural order of things. Basically, they're on a bar and there is a girl, um, Amelia, who is considered a new Cassandra um, who basically assassinated this aim scientist through visions that she's having in order to get him to like drop this device that would cause the collapse of everything. And like Dr. Strange is rewinding time again and again. Um, so that Wynn can try to get close to like secure the device. And this whole time we're getting kind of the backstory of this individual and this device that seems to be kind of like an arbiter of these in-betweeners while a god of chaos is standing there. It's it's nuts. It's so much. And it even sounds like slightly insane trying to talk about it. Um, Riley, how are you doing on the gods train? I I gotta tell you, uh I have been so excited to like reread these issues. Yeah. Like I feel the way about gods right now that you feel about uh rise of the powers of X or okay. whatever it is. Like you being so hyped on that stuff yeah. is how I'm feeling about gods. Like awesome. I don't feel like I have this whole like 
you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of people are reading these gods issues like, yeah, I'm into it, but I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. And like, you know, sometimes I, I'm definitely in that world, but I'm just enjoying the ride, man. It's yeah, so dude. weird. And I love wacky. it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been so fun. Um, it's it's weird. It's different. Um, yeah. I, I truly don't know where each one is going to go. And that yeah. feels so fun. Um, I do not. My animals are fighting. Kind of like the natural orders. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's wild, man. Gods is the gods is the trip. Um, what it is it, hard to anticipate. It's hard to have yeah. any kind of clue what it's going to do next. It's weird and out there, and I am so into it. Like, if I had, if I could only buy one book a month, it would probably be this one. Um, although I would, you know, weep at missing Ultimate Spider Man. You would, um, so that's it. If you had to, if I had to you, only get one book, though, it'd it would be Gods Over USM. I think, I think it would right now just because, like, it's so original. Yeah. It's 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 cool. It's a lot. It's doing my favorite Hickman thing too, which is like the the A plot is moving forward with science okay. mumbo jumbo that you're like, what is this? But the B plot, the actual heart of each story is like this tragic, like just character wrecking thing about mm-hmm. someone who wasn't loved properly. And yeah. like built their whole identity and like a shell of loneliness and isolation. And it's just like he does that time and time again. And he did that really well in his Avengers run. Um, he did that again really well in Shield. And just mm-hmm. like so seeing it happen with characters that we have no idea who they are has been really, really cool to read. Um, this past issue with the the aim guy. And then the one before with uh, the Cassandra, I thought were, were really well done and pretty cool. Yeah, I'm very into it. Um, Shiti is just He's one so of the good. best. He's, He's so just... great. The art is beautiful. The coloring is beautiful. Yeah. When you put Gracia on anything, the coloring is just always amazing. Um, but yeah, um, you know, when I told you that I was about to start reading the books, you know, um, you said something about like, you know, I was surprised at how timely these issues feel. And I definitely feel that way about yeah. God's issue four, like for sure. There's a whole like, there's a whole conversation to be had about what happens to a person who just kind of like gets echo chambered on all of the most like negative aspects of humanity or, you know, lose their ability to, to see the good in things. And, um, you know, just gets whispered all of the, like the negative things that they need to hear in order to become their worst self. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty timely, but in a very weird, you know, science fiction way. Yeah. Um, Very into it. There's such an interesting discussion of just this idea of at what at what cost, like, you know, is the pursuit of knowledge at what cost is being right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I'm very interested to see where that goes. Um, it's also and I think we found this out in the first issue, but it's just it's such a different book 
than I anticipated it being while also having no idea what it was going to be. But I think, you know, Hickman's not even initial pitch, but probably his like most like apt comparison where he's like, he's like, I kind of want to do what Gaiman did with, you know, the DC abstracts with Sandman with the Marvel, like universal concepts. Like it's, it's cool. And it's also just, you know, coming off of Ewing's ultimates, which both you and I read back to Ewing, but it's like Hickman and Ewing are playing in such similar spaces in such different ways. And I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, it's already like 10 something and we don't have time. I think that could be a whole, whole other talk about like the difference between Ewing and Hickman's cosmic Marvel scope. But I think it's also really interesting and just like how these places beyond and how these entities like infiltrate their normal characters lives play that I'm just, I'm very curious kind of what the, the bigger thesis on those are going to be in gods. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just really loving it. I hope that this ends up being a, a really long lasting ongoing book. Um, Cause like you said already, I think it really balances well that there's a lot of like, there's timely things, you know, bringing up conversations about things that are going on in the world right now, but through this weird science fiction lens. But then there's also a lot of really fun and sweet character beats as like a huge part of this initial conflict is that, you know, two of these characters are in love with each other, but yeah. they can't be, you know, they can't be together because they are, you know, in two warring factions that go millennia you yeah. know um so there's a lot of really sweet moments to be had and um it, it balances a lot of things really well which is fun i think so um, too but then also has room to just get so wacky um i reread the first issue tonight just for fun mm -hmm. and uh you know just some of the like you know when goes to this party where these weird spellcasters you know accidentally summon this demon because they yeah. used the wrong incantation and they used the um they used a th instead of a v or vice versa mm -hmm. something like that and it just it, there's so much room for it to be weird yeah uh while also having just it just it, it's it's succeeding on a lot of levels for me right now i um, agree yeah and it's just it's a fun ride man i feel yeah. like a lot of people will end up reading this in a trade form and really dig it that way but like i'm i'm kind of loving the fact that i just don't know what's going on yeah. and i need to reread each issue it it feels but, really cool being on the ground level of something like this and i know you and i have talked about this before where it's like you know well man like we were so young when bendis was having his legendary run on all these books like we weren't getting mm -hmm. we weren't getting alias one when that was coming out Right. But like getting something like this and feeling like this is cool, this is unique already um, with completely new characters in this realm feels feels really special. So I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. And I too, I hope oh God, I, I we will, you know, we will have like a day of mourning if we hear that this is canceled or ending at issue six or something. And mm -hmm. I hope that's not hope that's not the case. I will have, I know personally, I will have more than a day of mourning if this yeah. doesn't end up being a long lasting thing. Yeah, this so is, I, it's awesome and weird. And I just want him to be able to explore as long as he wants. I really hope that all of the goodwill that Jonathan Hickman must have just earned by 
selling as many copies of Ultimate Spider-Man as he did mm-hmm. allows him to continue to pump out gods for as long as he wants to. That's that's my yeah. that's my hope, publishers. Yeah, mine too. Um, well, yeah, dude, it's fun yeah, to just be reading fun. these issues as they come out. I you agree. Know, this is the first Hickman book that I've been buying as they release. So that's been cool. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you got you what you started buying them right at the end of Inferno. I did. Yeah. So, yeah. well welcome. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's been dope. Well, cool man. Well, um shout out Let's really fast a... to I have a student who is reading um Time Runs Out. She yeah. has been reading this and today she just discovered who who the leader of the the um Oh my Did gosh! She just the... discovered the identity of Rabu Malal. No, not yet. But the the head of the priests. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, how can I say this without spoiling? And the black priests. The black priests, and her mind was a little broken. She's like, "Wait, I don't." Oh my gosh! So mm-hmm. that was very cool. I haven't um, seen him in a while. Yeah, exactly, and that's yeah. literally what she said. She's like, "He just disappeared." <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, she found she found out the fate of Tony Stark a little bit ago and was like, he's a uh, he's kind of a bad man. Yeah. 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 Shout out to you. Yeah. Um, let's do uh, let's do a little soundbite. Um, you've been reading Wade's Daredevil. Yes, I have. What do you think? Um, I really enjoy it. Um, it is it is so different than um than Bendis's, which I, I really love um, in that dark, brooding, just brutal era mm-hmm. for him. Um, but this is this was this was so fun. This was surprisingly fun. It felt very much in the same way that like I have seen Wade do with um, Superman and with champions and with um, a few other characters where it's almost like he he's writing a silver age comic of like crazy sci-fi comic shenanigans, but in a modern setting and with modern sensibilities. Um, I think some of the creativity and the art in particular, and I'm blanking on the artist's name, but he like starts and does most of this run with um, Samney. I think it, it paints Matt's radar in a very cool way. Um, and just, I feel like you get a sense of his senses in a unique way. Um, there's a few arcs in particular that I really liked. There's a bit about this Omni drive that has information (laughs) on all of the, um, evil organizations. And so they're all fighting for it and Matt can't let any of them have it. Um, that was pretty fun and brought in some fun characters. Um, it's always fun for me when I'm reading a new collection and, it has an issue that I've read somewhere else before. And so the like black cat, Spider-Man daredevil uh, issues I had read when I read through all of them, uh, Dan slots, uh, amazing and superior run much earlier. So that was kind of fun to like, see those reappearances because those are some standout issues. Um, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm, excited to see where it goes i know you just gave me volume two tonight um 
yeah, that's that's gonna my those are my those are my quick thoughts on on Wade's Daredevil so far. Yeah, it's definitely a nice change. Mm-hmm. Not that it's needed, but yeah. it's a nice change from the like the kind of gritty horror that is like the Bendis Brubaker stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really kind of love the change of pace. There's just so much room for both. I think you know um it's Matt's it's fun he's so fun. very fun and yes yeah it's it's a good time really like this yeah yeah i'm glad you're digging it i'm excited to reread it uh, okay. in a non marvel unlimited form uh you know reading it on my phone was just not you know happy yeah. to digest the stories but it's just not it's quite different. the same as holding it and i mean i so, feel like we talked about that with the mortal hulk where it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's it's such a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'm excited for us to talk some more soon. Um, read comics. Read comics, man. There's so much good stuff out there right now. <laughs> Try to get a hold of an issue of Ultimate Spider-Man so you can be in it with the rest of us. Yeah. And shout out to Ethan, who did listen to the podcast where we said we had an issue for him. So he does get it yeah so we'll make sure ethan gets that thanks for all of our listener and viewer questions about where's ethan um yeah you can donate to hashtag save ethan in the comments yeah we don't know where he is either he's in the (laughs) waiting room waiting for us to find him i think um we'll we'll plunge in and find out riley do you last last soundbite for you now if if you went into the waiting room and your magical ancestor blasted you and there was five versions of yourself dressed up differently from your five, essentially, to quote Taylor Swift, eras, what would they look like? Mm. Well, I'll tell you this. The the most embarrassing one would be uh, like back in high school when my, uh, oh, it's starting to get warm outside. My look was a beanie with a blank white t-shirt and gym shorts Dang, like it was just like you know i i had so many pairs of gym shorts and whatever that every day was the same outfit but with a new were they different were they different colors of gym shorts or they all not nah, dude just like black and so like every day you know it's hot outside but i'm wearing a beanie you know and so i i don't i don't know why it was just like this is what my this is where my look is going right now. You know, a, for if if we have any listeners that want to do fan art of that version of Riley, I'll like yeah. I will I will I'll commission that right now. If you've listened mm-hmm. this far, please please let us have a commission of Riley in that outfit and then a current picture of him, but also on a tarot card, but also with Tony and Carrie behind him. And if you're listening to this and your mind is getting to work and you're saying to yourself, like, yeah, I could do that. I would only ask you why it's not interesting enough to be That's, worth the time. I, I can see it. Yeah, that would be I, I don't know exactly what about that outfit I thought was like that was like my look for yeah. a while. And I just don't know what about it I thought was cool. You know, there's there's just nothing about that outfit that was particularly, you know. I'm I'm sure I've told you before, but when I was around that, probably the same age, 
or I don't know, early middle school, I, uh, I didn't wear jeans. I just thought jeans were uncool for whatever reason. Everyone else wore jeans. I'm like, not me. So I wore these, um, these swishy pants, mm -hmm. these like cargo pants that had, uh, zippers that could turn them into shorts. Oh yeah. So yeah, I wore, those. Those so I, I wore those and then I wore like a t-shirt. And then I wore like a collared shirt above the t-shirt mm -hmm. and yeah. um, sometimes two shirts under the collared shirt, a white shirt underneath, and then a collared shirt on top of that. It was always very warm, too warm. Do you remember when uh, deep V-necks were in? Yes. That was unfortunate too. How, how deep did your V-necks ever go? not too bad it was never like yeah. really it wasn't excessive. full it wasn't full like hipster worship pastor excessive i don't think so but like you know just barely had gone through puberty me yeah was like super into these like deep v's that showed my lack of chest hair dude but you all know? of your all of your like your punk scene that's probably all what they were wearing too it yes that yeah. is true yeah, that and some like black skinny jeans or oh something. Gosh, I I never fully went that way, but I think I was. I, I saw some pictures on my old hard drive where it's like right when I first started college, I was wearing a lot of like like free shirts. Like by that I mean like donate blood, get this tacky ass shirt. Um, <laughs> Like here's here's your school spirit shirt. Here's your senior shirt. And I'm like, I'm wearing this way too often in public that for like mm -hmm. at least my freshman year. Then they stop. Then all of a sudden they're gone. And I'm like, oh, okay, like I, I I snapped out of it. But I was like, what was I doing? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess my last like on one hand, I feel a little embarrassed that like it's now 20 years running that like most of my t-shirt wearing is just like band t-shirts you know on one hand i find that a little embarrassing that my style has never really shifted away yeah. from what i was doing when i was 13 but on the other hand those never really go in and out of style it's True. like you're just like wearing what you like you know or what you're into so i mean on one hand, it's kind of embarrassing that here I am all these years later still wearing the same shit. But on the other, it's like, well, you know, it's not that bad. It could be worse. I could still be wearing DVs. You could still be wearing whatever that purple Magneto costume is without the sleeves and the giant white M. So that, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. on that note, Riley, um, we'll be back soon. Talk more comics. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.